Give someone a high five and say, you're looking good. (laughs) As you take a seat. Thank you, team. I think uh, the Lord, God's worth getting excited about, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I've seen, seen some of you guys, you get really excited at sometimes when your team wins. Oh, my goodness, why not get excited about God, hey? And all that he's brought us and given to us. Wonderful. Well, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, I want to just share with you this morning, I want to talk about uh, something. I want to just to turn, I want to read one verse to you today. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. It's a verse that will be uh, familiar with many people, but I just particularly wanted to draw it to your attention again today or this morning. It says in John chapter 16, verse 33, here it is. Um, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking, um, uh, he's talking to his disciples particularly, and he's about to go to the cross. He knows that. He's, he, he's just had this wonderful long speech to them and talked to them about the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to face some trials, but, you know, be encouraged. And he says this in verse 33 of John's Gospel. These things I've spoken to you. In other words, talking about all the things that he's just spoken to them, to, to them before he said this verse, that in me you may have peace. Isn't that good news? Uh, and we've been addressing that, um, talking about that over the last couple of weeks. In the world, you'll have tribulation or you'll have trouble. Who knows? That's a reality, isn't it? But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's encouraging. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Um, you'd be very aware, that, look, within that verse, there's the problem and the answer. Okay? There's a problem and the answer. The problem is, it's not necessarily your problem, but there's a problem. The problem is in the, the, this world, there's troubles, isn't there? There's struggles. Who knows that this week has been a tragic week for some people in this world? Twelve people gunned down in Virginia Beach in America. Uh, who knows there's some families that are missing some of their family, part, parts of their family this morning. That's tragic, isn't it? Um, uh, and even in Queensland, you know, a precious mother, 35, three children, aged two, four, five, and six, head, head on into a truck, everybody killed. You know, part of the family just wiped out. And, and of course, there's some suspicion that maybe the mum was, you know, maybe some things happening there that she had just lost hope in life and lost purpose and maybe done it on purpose, but whatever. I'm really not into it, but I just think how tragic. So we've got some tribulation, we've got some trials. What about you this morning? <laughs> You face some things, maybe not right now, maybe in the past, maybe in the future you'll face some things. So just, just like, it's just, wow, it's just, I didn't expect that. Just didn't expect that to happen. And bang, and it, it kind of hits you fair, smacks you in the face, and you feel a bit numb sometimes over these things that happen to us. Because we're in a world that has tribulation. There's a world that has um, some problems. I was... Um, I was very mindful that I was going for a bit of a run near my place this morning, just going for a jog, and, and I, I kind of ran past this woman, and she would have been in her, uh, probably her 60s or 70s, and she, and she was walking along the path that I was running, and she was, um, her whole left side is obviously paralyzed, and so she's got a walking stick, and she's walking and dragging her whole left body along. And so I run past her, I didn't say anything to start with, and, but then I turned around at a certain point, and I was coming back, and she hadn't advanced very far, and I said to her on the way past as I'm running past, I just couldn't help myself. I just said, um, you're doing well. I was trying to encourage her. And she must have interpreted that I was asking her, how are you doing? 
And, and she just said, she's a, this is a precious lady, obviously maybe a stroke, and she's limping along with a walking cane. And she says to me, her reply was, I'm doing great! <laughs> and I thought, well, I didn't, that wasn't the question I, was, I wasn't really asking you, I was just telling you, you, you're doing great. But her reply was, I'm doing great. And I, I thought, wow, there's a lady with some troubles, hey? Uh, but something within her heart says, no matter what the trouble, no matter what the path ahead lies, I'm going to walk along it, no matter what pace I'm walking at, <laughs> no, what, no matter how many struggles. And I, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to have a smile on her face, and I'm still going to have a, uh, you know, while I can walk, I'm still going to walk. I just thought, wow, that lady's a bit of my hero. I don't even know if she knew Jesus, but maybe she did. I gather she was just, because it was near um, an aged care facility, I gather she may live there, but... You know, I think we have some troubles. There's the troubles, is the, it's the problem in the world. There's, there's the problem. But the answer is in this verse as well. And it says, in me, Jesus says, you'll have peace. And be encouraged because I've overcome the world. So in, in, the, light of, in, in the light of what I've just shared there, I want to just talk about something I think is really important to talk about. Because sometimes we struggle with the reality of answering this question. And the question is, why does a loving God allow bad things to happen? Or does a loving God allow you know, evil in this world, such as has happened at Virginia Beach? And it seems to happen almost weekly now. Somewhere in the world, there's a news report of something horrific happening. And I don't know if you're like me, but I've been asked that question by people in different formats, in different ways, several times in my life. And remember the first time I was asked it as a 17-year-old as a, a in my high school, and even though I was a Christian, I just didn't have a very decisive and clear answer for my friend when he asked me that question. Because he was sincerely seeking to understand this God. And the question was like this, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen in this world? It's a good question. Some of you have been asked that question. Maybe you're here this morning and you're asking that question. And that's a good question to ask. Nothing wrong with it. I believe that there's a clear answer. Is that cool? So I'm not here to remind us of all the horror in this world today, but I'm here to remind you that we have a good God. And you may say, well, that's debatable, and that's okay. But I pray that you'll see, uh, if not today, sometime in the future, how great, incredibly good our God is. Um, the interesting thing about this question is, is that people make an assumption when they ask this question, and the assumption is, is that God's loving. They say, how can a loving God... You know, and you often get someone who doesn't necessarily believe in God make this statement. How can a loving God allow so much evil? How can I believe in a loving God like that? But they state he's a loving God. Where, and, and I've kind of asked myself the question, where do they get that assumption from? Because they don't get it from this world's religions. If you were to just dive into any belief system in the world, that, apart from the Christian faith, if you were to dive into Greek mythology, for instance, you'd find that they couldn't possibly, they haven't got a God of love because they've got all these gods um, and they all, um, they're all at war with each other. They all hate each other and they don't like each other. And, and so how could the love of God be found there? No, Greek mythology doesn't give it to us. And then there's, and then there's the... Um, you could go to Islam. Well, their God is always, according to their beliefs, their God is always wanting to discipline them and knock them on the head and do them over and treat them if they do something bad. So there's, I don't know where, where do people get the assumption that God's loving. Well, I, 
I think we all know the answer. It's from the Christian faith. Because there's no other belief system in the world that actually talks about a loving God besides the Christian faith. Other belief systems talk about a God, but they don't talk about the loving God. So, um, so the idea that God is loving, kind, and merciful actually comes right from the Christian faith and belief system. And that he's essentially that he's kind towards us and he's merciful towards us and he extends his arms of love towards us. Um, there was John, who I just read this verse from. Actually, um, 1 John, he wrote another little book, 1 John, in chapter 4, verse 8. He simply says this, God is love. So he states it very clearly. It's not like it's assumed in the Bible. It's not like it's kind of inferred. It just says that God is love. And if there's one thing that would wrap... You know, you could really just tie God up and say, that's one of these incredible attributes of love. He is a God that's loving. Now, you may say, well, that's not my experience. Okay, hang in there. Let's see where we go with this. Um, um, because there's always a debate, you know, that, that the, you know, the Christian God, um, if he allows such evil... Why is there such evil? And there's been a debate for that for maybe centuries, that the debate over uh, good and evil. And, and, and why would that be? How come there is evil in this world? Why couldn't we have a good world? Well, God did try. <laughs> Way back in the Garden of Eden. Um, but of course, man decided to disobey God. And from that moment, evil came into the world. So... We're living with the consequences of that. But that's just a short answer, and that doesn't give us much content. So let's move on. I was very interested to read about a guy called Birchall Russell, who was a famous atheist, if you didn't recognize that name. An atheist is a person who doesn't believe in God. And the interesting thing was that he, asked, he was asked, how do you tell the difference between good and evil? And Russell, um, Birchall, oh, sorry, Birchall Russell, his name is Birchall Russell, they were asking, what standard do you live by? How do you determine good and evil? And he said, that's easy. I tell the difference between good and evil the same way I tell the difference between red and blue. They say, what do you mean? He says, I can see the difference. Red's different to blue. He says, that's the way I tell the difference between good and evil. They said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then they questioned him and they asked him this question. He says, Virtual, well, uh, what do you say then, you know, if you just could tell the difference? What do you say to, because there's some cultures that say love your neighbor in this world. And, and yet there's some other cultures, and maybe not so many now, but there were, there's been cultures in the past that said, eat your neighbor. <laughs> so how do you tell, you know, what do you do about that? How do you feel about that, virtually? And he didn't answer that question. He says, let me think about that. And he didn't give them a decisive answer. The point is, I'm trying to make, is that being made, uh, that the truth is that no standard outside of ourselves, right or wrong, good or evil, um, so if we just have all our standards and all our absolutes, and all our thoughts about how we should, just depending on opinion or feeling, my goodness, if it feels good, do it. If there's no you know, decisive absolute or no decisive standard or no decisive understanding of what's good and what's evil and everything, well, it depends on the day. If I want to punch someone one day because I feel good about it, I can do that. But we know that when we have no standard and we just decide that good and evil depends on how I feel and it depends on personal opinion, who knows that's why we live in a world of suffering. We have a world of suffering today because of that very fact that is that people don't have any absolutes. They just say, well, it depends on how I feel and it depends on my opinions. It was interesting after the Second World War, 
um, they grabbed a lot of the um, people who were um, known as the Nazis of Germany, and they put them on trial for the death of so many of the Jewish people during the Second World War. And as they put them before the judge, um, the, def- the defense of the, these, these uh, people who were a part of um, murdering so many Jews, their defense went like this. We were carrying out the written law of the day that was established by the German Nazi leadership. What else could we do? You can't blame us. We didn't do anything wrong. We just carried out what our leaders said we should do. And, and, in, and when the prosecutors replied, they replied to that question asking them, Is, do you not think that there's a law beyond your law? Do you, do you not think there's something higher than what was told to you? Uh, isn't there a standard? In other words, isn't there a high standard? Isn't there, is there um, something, is it, is it more than just similar a popular opinion or feelings that people have that we need to have in life? And you and I know that there is. And I hope you can see that today. It's because there is a, a standard, there is a principle. God establishes something for us to be able to live by. And he says, it, you know, some of us say, well, I don't want to live by a set of rules. No, it's not rules. It's principles for how to live blessed lives. Not a set of rules. You may call them rules, go for it, that's fine. But reality is, is that God sets up principles in our lives so that we can be blessed to walk in blessing. And it's not just some popular opinion or some feeling. It's not just what, you know, someone says, well, you've got to, these are the things you should do. See, I can drive down the road here and the speed limit must be 50 kilometers an hour in this main street. And then, and then you go into a 60 kilometer zone. But sometimes you can say that's a law, but God's, God's principles are not like the laws of the land. Because you can change the 60-kilometer. They change them, don't they? I've, I've, you know, I've got speeding tickets because someone changed the speed limit. <laughs> and I said that to the police officer, but he wasn't convinced. He said, well, you should have seen the new speed limit. I said, yeah, all right, I got you. You got me there. But see, the, the, see, man's laws can change and differ. They're not set in concrete that actually affect our moral um, in, integrity. But God's principles and God's ways actually... You know, we break them, it affects our moral integrity, it affects our lives. If I sleep with several other women in my life and, 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 and don't just stay with my wife, who knows that I'm going to hurt me and I'm going to hurt many others as well. And yet some people say, no, that's okay. You just do what you feel like you should do. And yet God says, one way and one woman, hey? You know, you can give me lots of examples today. But there, you see... Um, so we just see that there is, we, we need to have some framework for good and evil in our lives. Um, some will say, well, I don't believe in God anyway. I can't believe in a God who, I can't get my head around a God who doesn't allow, who allows such evil. And the response to that is, look at the alternative. <laughs> the truth is not believing in God does not remove evil from the universe. If you don't believe in God, it's not going to all of a sudden remove evil from the universe. All it does is leave you with an evil in an empty universe, which is uncaring, unpurposeless, and unloving. That's what it does. Um, And so what you do is you swap a hard question of why does a loving God allow evil with an even harder question, how can I live with any sense of purpose and meaning in a meaningless and purposeless world? And that, my folks is why every day in this nation of Australia, someone loses hope and commits suicide. Because they haven't got purpose. They haven't got meaning. And I find that incredibly sad. 
And it all comes back to this simple question that people ask sometimes, well, why is God not allow so much heartache and pain? Now, some will say, that's okay. I can live with, I can create my own meaning in life. I'll create my own reference points of purpose. And which is what I've inferred already. But, you know, we all need reference points to guide our lives by. You know, the truth is we all live by reference points. You got up this morning and you've done some things that were good for you to do. You maybe had some breakfast, you brushed your teeth, maybe you washed your face. I don't know, but they're good things to do. And they're not, they're not moral, major moral decisions, but they're reference points for how to live a healthy and clean life. Would you agree? You know, you gave way to someone when, you know, at the, you didn't just go through the intersection, you stopped at the stop sign. That's a good, and once again, they're man-made laws, but there's some good reference points there. God has established so many. You know, I, um, I once flew into Gladstone from Brisbane and the plane was diverted to Rockhampton. And the reason why I was diverted is because there was a thick fog mainly, nearly all over Gladstone. And certainly around the airport, the pilot could not see the runway and he couldn't see the actual airport itself. And, you know, um, I'm, even though it was an inconvenience for me because he took us to Rockhampton and we, they bust us back, it was an inconvenience. It was not what I was planning. I wanted to be in Gladstone two hours before I really was. But it didn't happen. But I tell you what, I'm glad the pilot made a decision and didn't kind of say this. Well, I can just see Mount Larkham poking through the fog. And if, if I turn around Mount Larkham and come back about four kilometers south and just land anywhere in the fog there, we'll, you know, that's about where the airport is. I reckon we'll have a go. What do you think? I'm just glad he didn't say that <laughs> because I mightn't be here today. It might have horrific results. And unfortunately, that's what people live their lives by. No reference point, no God points in their life, no reference to God. And thus they, they crash land all the time, hurting themselves and hurting many other people. I think the point's clear, isn't it? Um, and people yet say, I don't need a God to provide meaning or purpose. And I'll make up my own purpose and I'll do it myself and I'll find myself and yeah yeah that's okay but I want to tell you there's a God that's got a much better plan much better plan you know there's another thing that that this question kind of brings up and 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 the question is imagine the world if we were to live by what this question supposes this question says just allow um, God to be loving and never let there be any pain or suffering Imagine a world like that. Imagine um, listening to that. How could God allow so much bad things to happen? And just imagine um, um, God allowing um, bad things to happen. But the truth is, he's just a shield to us every time something bad is about to happen to us. He steps in and takes it for us. And in many ways, Jesus did. But just imagine that there's never... See, I don't think God brings bad stuff on us. I do believe he allows it. <laughs> but just imagine if he stepped in the road all the time when something bad was about to happen and, and, and didn't allow anything bad ever to happen to us. Now, that sounds like a really good life, doesn't it? I, I would enjoy a life where nothing bad happened. But the truth is, what it does is it fails... But then allow me to make any choices in life. 
Because I find that I make choices in life about what kind of attitude I'm going to have, what kind of, who I'm going to serve, how I'm going to behave, whether I'm going to live a, a bitter life or a better life, a selfish life or a giving life. I find out because of the bad things that happen to me, I discover so much about myself in those times that those things do happen. Now I wish bad things didn't happen, but they do happen, don't they? And so we just have to realize it sounds like a good life, but if... if this question of why would a loving God allow bad things to happen, imagine if we actually had that happening and God never allowed anything to happen to us bad. You know, yesterday morning I was um, in the area behind my house in this pergola area. I was washing mold off the, the underside of the roof, you know, and um, I had this spray um, chemical detergent that was, I was spraying on the inside of the roof. And um, I'm spraying it, and I was being pretty much a mere male and um, just going for it, and, uh, and then I'd wash it off with water. But as I'm spraying, some of it dripped into, um, onto my left eye, into my eye. Straight away, I knew this was because it had chlorine in it. <laughs> and if you ever had chlorine in your eye, you kind of straight away feel the pain, you know, it's stinging pain. Thankfully, I just downed tools and grabbed water, and um, that didn't feel any better, actually. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, chlorine or just a load of water, you know, flooding your eyeball. Anyway, thankfully, I can see, kind of. No, no, it's all good. Um, my left eye's fine, praise God. But um, the truth is, you know, when bad things happen to you, you know, I had a choice right at that moment. I know this is a very insignificant little situation, but this can happen sometimes on a larger scale to all of us in some horrific situations. Sometimes right at that moment with a stinging eye, I could have said, well, God, why did you allow this to happen? I could have shaken my fist at God and said, well, if you're the God is loving, why did you allow this to happen? And the truth is, if God was, wanted to get verbal with me, he could have said, because, idiot, you didn't wear glasses. But he didn't say that straight away, but my daughter did. <laughs> no, she didn't actually say, idiot. She said, do you want something on your eyes? I said, yeah, that'd be good. So she brought me out her goggles, her swimming goggles. <laughs> They're pink. That's okay. I put them on and, and she says, is that too tight? And I lied to her. I said, no. <laughs> anyway, my eyes are now... Uh, and, and, and within 30 seconds, they're fogged up. I can't see a thing. So I take them off and she brings a pair of safety glasses. And that done the trick, and I was able to go through and do the rest of the job, and it was wonderful. See, can I help you to understand something? You know when bad things happen to us sometimes, it, it, it's, the reality is it helps us to make a choice. If nothing ever bad happened to you, you'd never make any choices about how you're going to respond in life. And when you make a choice, you then form an identity of your life. You start to form some character, you start to form some um, discretion, you just start to form some determination, and you start to get some courage and some, well, I can, you know, I can make choices and I can make good choices, and even though bad stuff happens, I'm going to make a good choice in the midst of this bad stuff, and it grows your integrity and character of your life, and you ultimately start to form identity. And when you allow God into the picture, you can form an identity in Him. You see, that's what bad things do. They make you, force you to make choices. If you never had God shielded us from every bad thing that happened, we'd never make any choices, we'd never form any identity, we'd never form any decision-making process, and we'd just be, you know what we'd really be? We'd be puppets on the end of God's string. And we just go through life, and God intervenes for me, 
And I never had that little flat tire or that car accident or that some of the other tragedies that are much, much more serious than that. Never happen anything and I never form anything of an identity and a hope and struggle. I live a struggle-free life, but what, I, what it comes down to is I'm like a, piece of, a chess piece on a chessboard and someone just manipulates my life and I go through life. Now, you might like that, but I don't think you could live under that for too long. I think we all want to have free will and that's exactly what God gives us. He gives us a free will to make our decisions. And that's why God's love is incredibly powerful. Because the reality is he gives us even a free will to love him or not love him. And if he was a God that said, you've got to love me no matter what, that would be called dictatorship. But he's not a dictator. He's a lover of our souls. God extends his hands. And we're not puppets this morning. Think about this for a moment. Not only does evil happen to us and others... But evil actually happened to God. And Jesus Christ came on the earth and he was God. He was the son of God. He was that. He was more than he was God. And of course, he himself faced one of the most evil tortures and that was crucifixion. And, and all because he loved humanity. Come on. There's no other belief system in the world like that. Romans 5, 8 says this. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God dem- how could God demonstrate his love for us? God had this wonderful plan. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my son to die for them and to take an opportunity for them to be forgiven of their sin and have freedom and tro- choice. And when they receive that, I- I- I'll live with them and they'll become my child. And we'll re- through Jesus, we'll re- reignite this relationship that was de- destroyed in the garden way back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And I'll have this relationship with them. You see... Out of the bad of Christ's death on a cross, opportunity came for us to have life. So the things that happened to Jesus weren't good. He had suffering and pain and everything happened to him as well. And when I look at Jesus, I find a God who identifies with us. He identifies with our pain this morning, no matter what you're going through. He identifies with our temptations that we face. He identifies Jesus went through all of it and yet didn't fall. He was perfect. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because I go through the same temptations and have failed. But I have a God who gives me an opportunity to say, come on, pick yourself up and let's move forward again. Um, It makes all the difference. This makes all the difference that it's not just me and others who suffer and you and me that suffer, but Jesus himself suffered. And it makes all the difference when I pray. Um, because I'm not just praying to a God who doesn't understand what I face, but I'm praying to a God who understands what I face because his son went through it and God went through it with his son. He understands. Jesus Christ is not just an historical figure. He lived on the earth for 33 years, but at the age of um, 30, he started ministry. At the age of 33, we, we, we killed him. Not you and me, but humanity did. And he suffered and died. And because of that, he identifies with humanity. He identifies with you and me. God is not in some ivory tower, isolated from us. No, he identifies. I was very aware of this. I was reading this incredible story around a gentleman called Joseph Damien. Joseph Damien was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Christian, and he believed God had led him to go to an island of of Hawaii, now, you may say, wow, that's a good missionary spot to go to, Hawaii. Now, it was one of the islands, and in those days, in the early 19th century, there's a particular island in Hawaii that only had lepers. That's where they sent all the lepers to. 
And so they had a colony of lepers. And Joseph Daniels, uh, sorry, Joseph Damien went to this island and he shared about Jesus. And many came to receive Jesus. And he started a church. And every Sunday his church would be just full. And they were full of lepers. One day Joseph Damien is in his little house and he spills hot water on his foot. And he noticed that the little bits of skin started to peel off his foot. So he had some degree of burn, um, first or second degree of burns on his foot. But he noticed that he had no, in, no intense pain at all, no pain at all. And he knew exactly what that meant. He'd been there for some 10 years. He knew exactly what no pain on the foot meant. And so that Sunday he got up to preach and share. And he, um, he would normally address the church this way. Um, good morning, fellow believers. But this morning he didn't address the church that way at all. Because he got up with, and with tears in his eyes, he said, Good morning, fellow lepers. Because he knew that he was now one of them. It wasn't like he was just someone who couldn't experience what they experienced. He now knew that he had leprosy. Because of that pain that he didn't experience when that hot water fell on his foot, he had no pain. He knew the reality of that. And you know the life expectancy of the point when you contract leprosy to the point you die is you have a, a total or a expanded or a possibility of a maximum of nine years of life for any leper. Unless you can be, of course, get medication and be healed. Or a miracle. And so John Damien understood exactly what that feeling. And he, he knew that no pain meant that he was like them. And now he was on another level of ministry because he could relate to them. He could communicate with these lepers because he too was in the same boat as them. What a, diff a wonderful example. See, God has felt pain. I'm, I'm glad that God has felt the pain through his son Jesus Christ for us. He's felt the pain of losing his son. He felt the pain of what Jesus Christ, when his crucifixion happened. And God himself came and lived as we do and suffered as we do through Jesus Christ. And he doesn't have an address, as I said, in some ivory tower, isolated or insulated from us. But his address, his address, he addresses us as one of his own, as one of himself. He shared in the same disappointments, and Jesus Christ shared in the same sorrows that we have. He can identify with us because he's felt the evil of this world upon his own body in his suffering and crucifixion. And it doesn't, this morning, to be honest, that doesn't explain why bad things happen but it does help me to live with the hard question if I know God empathizes with me that bad things still happen. And the scripture talks about a God who even numbers the hairs on your head this morning. He so intimately cares for you. He so intimately wants to know you. He so intimately wants to restore relationship with you. He doesn't want you to be on the outside of his His. Um, community he wants you to be on the inside and in relationship with him and God extends his hands to us all the time and I find that incredibly comforting and encouraging and we see even Jesus as he rose from the dead he was able to overcome and in a, in a sense sort out and, and be able to justify the, the pain and suffering that he went through because he rose victorious didn't he he rose victorious and he and he lives again today. He defeated death. And if he could rectify and sort out his problems, don't, he, don't you think he could help you with yours? Don't you think he could help you today, you know, uh, face yours? And as Christian people, it doesn't make us immune from the pain that happens, but allows us to have an incredible hope, which isn't wishful thinking, and it isn't just a crutch 
Have you ever heard someone say to you, well, that's just that you Christians have just got a crutch. Well, if Jesus Christ is my crutch, bring it on. He's the best that this world can ever offer. Because he's not a crutch. It's a conviction in my heart. It's a conviction because Jesus Christ is a real person who came and lived perfectly, suffered and died a terrible death, but proved he was God in human flesh because he rose victorious. He wants to hold a hand through our suffering and not allow the evil of this world to overthrow us and put us in despair, or give us an, but give us an incredible hope today because of what Christ done. An incredible hope. And that's why I rejoice and that's why I praise him because he's given me a hope every day. And you know, as Christians, don't forget that. Sometimes we can walk through our life and just go, oh, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Or we'll get excited because he gives you a hope every day. And there won't be one second in heaven that we're there that we won't be thankful that we've made Jesus our Lord and Savior. I tell you, we'll be thankful. We'll be thankful. There's one thing I know, he wants to hold your hand through your suffering and not allow the evil of this world to overthrow us, but give us a hope. And maybe today you feel like that lady on the path, you know, partially paralyzed down the left side, hobbling along on the walking stick, not getting very far in life. But I want to tell you, that mightn't explain why that happened, but I tell you who will hold your hand through that time and bring you safely in the arms of your heavenly, your heavenly Father in heaven. That's, our, that's through Jesus Christ. He gives us meaning and purpose for life. He gives us a hope for today and a hope for tomorrow every day. That's how good our God is. So let me finish with the verse I started. These things I've spoken to you, Jesus said, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So have I answered the question for you this morning of why would a loving God um, allow so much evil? To be honest, I don't think I have, but I have given you a hope in the midst of that which you face. I, I believe there's an answer for everything we face. And I believe ultimately he draws us to himself. And often, sometimes, the things we face allow that to happen, that we get drawn to him more and more. I pray the day you won't run from him, but you'll run into him, because he is our hope and our... Could we stand together this morning? I wonder if today you're here... Uh, look, I believe that today there would be today people that just need to say yes to Jesus Christ. And maybe for the, you know, and, and when you're saying yes, the Bible just says if we confess with our hearts and believe, uh, sorry, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, he accepts us as his own, his child. And, and, you know, I think that's such an important thing, this first step to know his strength and to know him holding our hand through the trials and the, and the hopelessness and the suffering that we sometimes go through. And maybe you're here and you've never done that before and you need to do that for the very first time today. I would invite you to, in a moment, um, I want to pray for you or pray with you. And, and if that's something you would want to do, I'd love you just to lift your hand. You can see that hand and put it down. But there might be people here today that just need to restore or maybe renew that relationship with Jesus Christ and say, look, I've walked away and I'm kind of wanting to get back right with him. Well, you know, it's just a prayer Away, it's a heart prayer. It's not just words, but it's a heart that's towards him. And today, if that's you, could we just close our eyes for a moment, everyone? If that's you and you know you just need to say, yeah, include me in this prayer, uh, could you just lift your hand? Maybe you're here and you've never done that or you want to do it again. Anybody this morning? 
just lift your hand. I see that, and you can put it down. Don't put it down till I see it. I just wait another moment. Anybody today that just says yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to Jesus. He makes such a difference. Let me just pray. Father, today I thank you for every person. I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and mercy towards us. I thank you, Father, that in the midst of our questions sometimes and our struggle and us trying to work through some of the things that happened to us. I pray that we mightn't have all the answers of why it happened, but Lord, may we have the realize that it's not so much about why, but it's about what will we do now. And that is to embrace you and to walk in that because in the midst of it, Lord, you pull us through. You bring us to the light at the end of the tunnel. Whatever metaphor we want to use, I thank you, Father, that you would never leave us nor forsake us and that you're there. And I pray for every person here that they would know your strength in the midst of the pain and suffering that they experience sometimes. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Holy Spirit, if there's people here who just need to respond to you, Lord, I lay them in your hands. I ask your hand a blessing upon them in Jesus' name. And I thank you for them. We're going to sing this song, church, and we're just going to declare once more the goodness of our God. Is that cool? And I pray that you would see that, you know, obviously I'm here with a whole bunch of people who have got no problems. I'm singing to the choir. But, you know, sometimes we forget how good our God is and we need to remind ourselves daily, 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 our God is good. And, you know, um, I want you to be like that lady who might limp along that path. And when someone says, how you going? She says, oh, you're doing incredibly good. And yet, physically, it looks, she looks so crippled. But can you say that today? Can you say that inside? She was doing incredibly good. Outside, not so good. But it didn't deter her from being a lady that says, I'm doing really well. Because something has happened in here. Who knows that? We'll not have a body one day. <laughs> the body will get old and wrinkly and fall away. But you know, our spirit, our soul, our person could be renewed daily. And that's the joy we have. Come on, let's sing this song this morning. That would be great as we, uh, for this, uh, as we close.